Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. This is a part of a four-part series that honestly came about from Jeremy Miller. He's our VP and Director of Marketing. He had keynoted and was able to meet some awesome individuals at the Unleash Festival in Madrid, Spain. And as he got into some great conversations, he was telling people about the podcast and the mission and vision of the Started Up Foundation, and he has found us some all-stars. So I hope you enjoy this November four-part series. Again, thank you, Jeremy Miller, for going out and finding such awesome guests. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up podcast. Excited today because we have another guest, Hanan Chaluki. Hanan had met Jeremy when Jeremy was there keynoting at the Unleashed Festival in Madrid, Spain. Yes. And she, again, this this whole series we've done is like, Jeremy came back. I was like, oh, I met some awesome people. Let's have them on. And uh, Hannon was at the top of the list. Yes. Actually, Jeremy, I'll let you take it from there. She's got quite the impressive resume. Let's talk about that. Yes, Hanan, she, she's done honestly like quite a few things. I'm excited to really dive into it. But um, she's a managing partner of a creative, creative agency called Aliens. Is that is that correctly pronounced, Hanan? It's aliens, actually. Aliens. Okay, that's even better. I like that. Um, and you know, aliens. You know, they just focus. You know, it's an inclusive viral communications platform. They do a lot of marketing content. Work with a lot of cool companies. But she's also the co-founder of a movement, an organization. You know, a cause, a platform called Muslim.com, which really dives. You know, the purpose of Muslim.com is to break the stereotype of what we've kind of considered for so many years. And she's reached millions and millions of people and has had amazing impact, amazing tr- stories of transform, you know, transformative lives. And so we're going to dive into it. We're going to dive into Hanan's mindset, you know, how she's been able to do such amazing things at such a young age, um, which is age 26, just recently married. And so, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. First of all, thank you, Hanan. It's funny because I, it, like, Jeremy's talking about some of the global impact. And I'm like, I'm wanting to say, ooh, you made Forbes 30 under 30 list, which probably for a large part of your audience, that probably doesn't mean anything because they don't know what Forbes 30 under. Uh, but yeah, let, let's let's dive in. I, like, First of all, how did you, where did you start? Like, how did all this come about? Okay, so um, I was a student at the University of Antwerp. I studied communication sciences, um, strategic communications. And when I was in my last year, I was just, finishing my master's degree, um, I met this guy on campus and we started talking and we we realized that we both had similar ideas about what was going wrong when it comes to media and Muslim minorities today in Belgium, because I live in Belgium. Um, so we started talking and we realized we, we had a lot of frustrations uh, when it comes to negative uh, imaging a lot of stereotypes today. People, when they think of Muslims, they immediately think of terrorists or, uh, you know, like uh, wars in the Middle East. So there's a really bad uh, image today when it comes to, uh, you know, in the mainstream media. So we wanted to tackle that and we wanted to change that. So uh, we started talking and then we founded the online platform Muslim.com. Um, and it's written with a V instead of a U because Muslim with a U is already taken. So, uh, and then uh, we started creating content. So we started looking around, asking for people to join us. Um, people thought we had a really fresh vision. We wanted to change something. Um, and we just launched the platform and it went viral real quickly. So, you know, in, in, 
it was it was really a roller coaster because uh, articles started getting picked up by the New York Times, The Guardian, BBC World Radio, and we started getting a lot of coverage from other mainstream media as well. So that's mm. in a nutshell how yeah. it went quickly. Yeah. So, like, when you say, like, what were some of the numbers? Some of the numbers. Well, uh, we have our very first viral article hit over half a million shares. Wow. Um, in those first few months, we literally reached like 10 million people every month. Wow. Uh, when it comes to our social media, like today we have 40, 418,000 likes on our Facebook page. Wow. We just recently launched on Instagram, I think like about a half a year ago, and we're already hitting like almost 40,000 followers. Wow. So. It just for us, it's just a sign that a lot of people were looking for a platform like this, and we just like filled the gap in the market somewhere. So, um, you know, Hanan, like you, you shared a little bit about like your why. You shared a little bit about like you know the purpose of this, and like I, you know Simon Sinek, he's a big speaker, big author that I'm constantly quoting, and he talks about you know this concept called the golden circle. You know, why, how, what. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. might know what you do. A lot of people might know how you do it, how you're different. Yeah. But sometimes a lot of times we lack, you know, this understanding about like, why do people do something like these inner core motivations, inner stories. So, um, and I know you touched on it, but like, you know, why you, you know, like, like why have you been able to like, you know, what, like, what was that why behind starting this platform? And then what was that why that really kind of initially started that momentum? Because, um, you know, it's tough to do that. You know, a lot of people, they have passions, they, you know, they see problems in the world, but I mean, you've had legitimate, significant impact across the world. So can you just kind of dive in a little bit about the why behind that? Yeah, I love Simon Sinek's ideas. I loved his book, Start With Why. And it was very essential for me because, you know, I was the living example of everything that went wrong, basically, because I'm, I'm a visible Muslim woman. I wear a headscarf. I walk around in a society where I am part of a, of a religious and ethnic minority. So I was, I was constantly being uh, confronted by the ideas that other people had about me when I didn't even get a chance to introduce myself. So the why for me was very personal. Um, it started with myself. It started with the people in my environment. You know, we constantly had these conversations about, oh my God, did you, did you read that article again? Yeah, it says Muslim terrorists and it says this and it says that. Um, and it was always so negative. And I've noticed, and I noticed that within my religious community, but also within my family, within my friends. Um, so for me, the why was very personal, and it's the exact reason uh, why you know why I started with Muslim.com in the first place is because I wanted to change something for myself, but also for my community. And it was definitely a force. It was a passion behind everything that I'm doing is to make my life better, which may sound a little selfish, but also, you know, to make the lives better of a lot of other people that are constantly facing these kind of, uh, these kind of stereotypical images. So that was definitely my why to create a better environment, to create a better media, to create more representation, more role models. Um, so for me, the why was very personal. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, that. yeah. So, Anytime you build anything, obviously there's struggles. Matter of fact, if there's not struggles, and you probably didn't build anything special. <laughs> exactly, so yeah. the fact that you guys have built something truly special, what were some of those early struggles, and how did they become blessings? Well, there were so many struggles. Like the first struggle that I I've come across is just the fact that suddenly you become someone that people refer to 
as some kind of a public figure. So uh, I got, you know, in, in, definitely in the beginning when we launched Muslim, anytime anything would happen in society when it comes to Muslims, I would get a phone call from like a TV station or newspaper saying, hey, do you want to comment on, comment on this or, you know, write something about this because, you know, you are the founder of Muslim.com. So I was constantly pushed in this kind of, public role, even when, you know, these things weren't even my expertise or, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a terrorist expert. I'm a media person. I'm a communication strategist. And I was constantly pushed within these roles based on my identity, which was kind of frustrating. But when it comes to actually building the business, uh, building the platform, one of the main struggles was always funding. Uh, because when we started it, we were both like literally broke ass students. Uh, we didn't have any any sort of funding. We paid everything ourselves. The people that were making the content were all volunteers. They just like believed in our mission and in our vision and they wanted to support us. But you know, after a while, you have to be able to pay creatives, uh, you know, to pay for the website, to pay for a lot of things, you know, you need in a business. So funding was our very first struggle. And the way we've solved that is by uh, creating a new business, which is how uh, my creative agency Aliens started out. It was basically an agency because uh, we gotten a lot of questions from companies, but also from local governments in Belgium saying, okay, so you guys are doing great news and you're creating all this amazing content and you're reaching such a diverse audience. Can you help us do the same? Because our communications and our marketing is definitely not inclusive. Um, so that's when we started the agency because we figured, okay, so now we have some kind of a service to offer to other businesses, to other organizations, to governments, and we can use that money to keep our platform from, you know, to keep our platform growing. Uh, and that's how we, you know, transform the struggle for funding to a new business that is actually thriving and that I'm very proud of today. Wow. So let me, let me, you just resonated with so many people on our audience in the sense that that struggle of we've got to like, I don't want to sound too over the top, but like we have a mission and, and it's just, but just because your mission is just doesn't mean that you <laughs> broke is broke. How did you make that transition? I mean, like you said, you know, obviously people at first were, you know, volunteering. And then you said that at some point you have to pay your creatives, you know, where was that in between, you know, where was that, that breakthrough of, we don't need to rub two nickels together. And yet we also aren't rolling in the money. Where was that transition and how did you guys pull that off? I would say the transition was after about four or five months because, you know, that first when you launch and people are like really excited and they have a lot of energy and they just want to dive in with you and help you with everything that you're doing, which is great. Uh, um, and I and I really I still appreciate those very first early supporters. But, you know, after a while, those energy levels started, uh, you know, growing a little weaker because simply because people are getting tired and, you know, we were working with a lot of students, we were working with people who are, who had full-time jobs and who were creating content for us after their hours. And, you know, there's only so much you can expect from people to do for free, um, which is something that I, I like, I, I truly believe in that if someone is creating something, if they are being, if they are, uh, you know, uh, creating a product or if they're being creative, you have to pay them for their work. Um, but at the time we just didn't have any funding. So it was, um, you know, part of us re realized that this wasn't something that could last. And we just started brainstorming and, you know, trying to be innovative to create new uh, 
to create new means of funding. Um, and that's when we came up with Aliens. So I think it was about, it was about five months after the launch of Muslim that we founded our new company and that we realized, okay, so there's a service that we can offer to others. And at the same time, we can still have our platform and, you know, keep our societal mission alive. I love that. You know, Hanan, it seems like there's a lot of courage with what, with what you're doing, not only with, you know, the stereotypes that you guys are breaking, but also, you know, the struggles that you mentioned, and there's a, a big mission that you're going after. So how did you kind of communicate that vision to the people who jumped on your team and said, I'm going to help you, we're going to do this together, like yeah. we're going to collaborate and make this happen. You know, what, 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 what were some things you can share about how you communicated your vision to others? Uh, okay, so I think the most important thing is to share something that can be recognized by others. So that frustration that we felt, you know, the th about negative stereotypes and about all this bad imaging in the media, it was a very common frustration. So it wasn't something that was just individual, just me or my co-founder. It was something that was very alive in many different communities. So because what we were doing was very recognizable. Whenever we told someone, okay, so there's a lot of bad imaging of Muslim minorities in the media, there was no one that could say, oh, that's not true. I think everyone's really positive about Muslims. It's just something that is a reality and it hits a lot of people. So the fact that you are creating something that is for everyone and that a lot of people can benefit from, um, that's something that I always you know, put the emphasis on in my communications, the fact that this is a community platform, this is for people, uh, this is built by people. Um, and, you know, it's important that we unite in this. And what I really would like to say is that it, it definitely wasn't just Muslims that were part of the team or that were part of creating the platform. There were a lot of non-Muslims as well that just felt like, okay, this is something that is going wrong in our society. There's a minority group that is not feeling very welcome, that is constantly being mentioned in a negative way. Um, and they just felt that social responsibility to be a part of this. Uh, so I think those are the things that we, uh, we repeated a lot in our communications, definitely in the beginning, you know, to, to show them how important the work is that we were doing. That's amazing. So I... But not not that I want to focus on the struggles, but I really <laughs> am intrigued by you know how how some of these uh, things occurred. Obviously, when you said the funding, that was one thing. I've also am so impressed by the positivity around it. I've seen I've seen some things get off the ground and immediately implode under their own weight. And I'm, by the way, my frame of reference here is obviously the United States. Um, but I've seen some things that started off as just causes and they started battling over minutia. And that minutia was, well, you guys stand for this, but you don't stand for this as well. And it wasn't, you know, it, it, like everybody had like their own micro cause within a macro cause. Have you guys ran into that? I mean, because I will say like the fact that you guys started off this positive, I think is so amazing. So I, I can see that you guys might have avoided this, but have you ran into any of those kind of issues? Yeah, of course, you know, people, we, we live in an age where, and I think that's, can be, can be both positive and negative, but people are very critical of what you're doing. Um, so we came out with a, a very specific cause. Um, and I've, you know, I've always followed the vision that you have to, you know, you have to pick your battles. 
you can't fight everything, you can't do everything. And we just really try to make that clear because like a lot of people would come to us and say, okay, so you are, um, you are doing this, but you, but you've called it Muslim. Like, aren't you excluding a lot of people? And, you know, we would just respond like, no, we, we all, we, we never had the intention to exclude people, but it's just that we are talking about a very specific minority group, uh, which is important. And that's why it's very, very um, explicit in our name. So we've had a lot of criticism, um, but I think most people do understand what we do and why we do it. Uh, and when it comes to like, okay, so you're doing this, but you're not doing that. The answer is very simple. You can't do everything. Sometimes you have to focus. Sometimes you have to choose yes. a certain path. And, yes. and you know, the moment you think you can do everything, that's I believe that's the moment you're not doing anything. I mm, true words where I <laughs> wow, that was a better answer than I ever could have imagined. No, I I, I love that just because when you're hyper focused on your specific goal and you know what to measure, obviously you can't be all things to all people. And I, man, that just resonates, you know, Jeremy and I, a lot of times in our meetings is that that's, that's one of the things that we're always trying to do. Like what defines success and how do you measure that? And the more defined we can be the better. And yeah, sometimes you'll take criticism on, you know, well, you didn't include this or that. I'm like, no, our focus is on an entrepreneurial way of being. And getting them to that and getting people to see opportunities is our focus. There are a lot of other causes out there and then, you know, go to those causes. Awesome. But ours is specific. And so that, that really brought a lot of value to me. I believe it's a big market. There's something for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Hanan, you know, so clearly like, you know, storytelling has played a large part in this, you know, specifically, you know, taking this conversation to social media. Um, you know, when it comes to content, like what is, you know, like I'm big, you know, I'm very passionate about social media. That's a lot of where my work stems from. So, you know, can you enlighten us a little bit, you know, share some insights or some mindsets that you would have around like storytelling, content, social media? Yeah, sure. Uh, when it comes to social media, well, of course, like you've mentioned, uh, you've mentioned it already, our content was very positive which was surprising for a lot of people. Like, oh my God, these are stories about people who are carrying a Muslim identity and they aren't negative and they aren't covered in war stories or extreme uh, migration stories. So the fact that our content was surprising was simply because it was positive. People did not see this coming. Um, so I think when it comes to social media, you have to bring something to the table that isn't already there. You know. There are so many pages today. Uh, social media is constantly growing. And, you know, there's a lot of content that looks alike. And, and it's, it's becoming increasingly harder to stand out. And I think the fact that we had positive content about topics that usually, or topics or people that usually aren't seen in a positive way, it brought like a surprise element into the story. Um, and I think that's what really worked on social media. And then obviously one of the things that we work a lot with is empowerment. We like to give people stories and tools to uh, feel empowered, uh, but also to recognize themselves in. Like something that I used to say a lot is when I was younger, when I was 10 years old or 12 years old, I would turn on the TV and when it's about Muslims, it's all negative. And there aren't really a lot of people that I could relate to. Um, so today, that's what we are trying to change by bringing these stories about people that Muslim young that, like that young Muslims can see and can actually relate to in real life. Um, mm. And I think the fact that we we started bringing different stories 
you know, different angles um, is what really made a difference in social media and what got us, you know, really booming. Anand, have you had um, mentors along the way? No, actually, I haven't. I, I did. I, I come from a big family. I have four brothers and five sisters, so I have a lot of uh, a lot of people in my environment who are really supportive. Uh, but I didn't really have a mentor. I I, I think um, the community really was my mentorship. Uh, because I got a lot of feedback from everyone. Everyone was, was constantly sharing their opinions, um, giving very honest criticism. And, you know, I really took it to heart because it was for them that I was doing it. Uh, so that I think makes that so much sense. No, I yeah. mean, like, Hannon, that, that makes so much sense. Just because, I mean, I'm going to circle back with your message of, of being positive. You know, I, you know, there's been some articles that I really appreciated on the call in versus call out culture. And uh, in some discussions I've had with some friends, you know, the point of call out is to shame people. And yeah. I understand why they're being shamed. Sometimes they say and do things that are stupid. Calling in is like, hey, man, seriously, not cool. Here's how I would go about this or here's how I'd change. You give somebody the opportunity to go, oh, now, now mind you, if they're assholes right back to you, then fine. Now call out. But the, the essence of what you started off as, you were surprised that people were immediately starting off with positive, that allowed you to build that team and that community to rally around what is right, to rally around positive. And of course, then, then focus on, hey, here's some things that we can improve on. Here's some things that other people can yeah. understand better about us. Uh, that is genius. But also stemming back to your thing on, I didn't necessarily have a mentor or two. You had a community. You had family. And you yeah. really struck a chord and you said, I've always uh, uh, like leaned on them for criticism and feedback. Yeah. That is everything. Because th there's been just yeah. a lot of talk on, on call-out culture on being self-righteous. That you know only we know the answers and then you're wrong and they're not going to listen to the other side. If you have a mission and it's just, and you're also starting off with positive and you're having dialogue, oh my gosh, like, please replicate what you're doing a million times over. <laughs> that is so needed right That's now. Cool. Really I think cool. that you're doing this. Yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people like entrepreneurs or people with a, some sort of a social mission you know, tend to stay on their own little islands. Um, and, I, and I think that's something that we really have to break through because we forget who we are working for and who we are working with. Um, and I've always appreciated feedback and I've always taken it to heart because um, I believe that's the only way you can learn, the only way you can grow. Um, and by thinking you know everything better, you know, I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. Mm, that's, that's huge. You know, We've got kind of like a saying, you know, Don has mentioned a couple of times, entrepreneur way of being, you know, we say not everyone should be an entrepreneur, but they should think like an entrepreneur. Um, would be curious to, you know, kind of gauge your perspective, you know, Hanan, how do you, you know, how do you define entrepreneurship? And then what does like being an entrepreneur, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Oh, that's a difficult question. I, there are so many definitions today. Um, I think entrepreneurship mostly is about creating something or being a part of something um, you know, that you've built yourself, but that serves society. And I definitely think that second part is very important um, because when you, when you make something that serves other people and you always keep your audience in mind, I believe that makes your product excellent. I believe that makes your product different from others. Um, and in my way, that's how I define entrepreneurship because everything that I do 
whether it's um, the website or the agency, whether I serve the people from my community or uh, businesses that want to communicate in a more inclusive way, I always believe that whatever I do, that it should benefit a higher purpose, that it should benefit my society and it should help it grow and become better. Um, so that's how I define it. Wow. I, okay. So this, A, I love that answer. And now that we're talking a little bit about where you're going, I, I want you to tell me, I want you, oh, let's see, this is 2019. I want to 2024 Hanan Shaluki right now to tell me where things are at with your organization, with your mission, with your vision. Where do you see things in five years? <laughs> okay, that's it's so interesting that you're asking that question because I literally had that conversation today about where, where, where should you be in five years and how hard it is sometimes to answer that question. But, you know, when it comes to Muslim, uh, to be honest, there are since we launched, there have been so many new platforms that are doing like similar work or similar things. Um, and I've also seen the impact that we have on mainstream media. Um, I've seen a lot of topics being shared by mainstream newspapers. Um, a lot of our stories being uh, uh, being featured in other mainstream media. And I see that there's a trend in which they're actually picking up on what we're doing because they, they can see that it works. Um, so I think if I have to look back, you know, on the five years that we just had, um, I can definitely see that there are a lot of positive trends coming uh, from, from our platform. Uh, now, that means that we constantly have to redefine what we're doing. So I believe that in five years, Muslim, the way I see it today, will not exist anymore. Because I think that the media function that we have today might not be as relevant in five years as it was five years ago. Um, that doesn't mean that there is no relevance at all, but that just means that you have to give it a new role, you know, give it new content, see what's lacking in a new society and, you know, bring something else to the table. When it comes to the agency aliens, when it comes to inclusive communications, um, I think there's a lot of work, definitely in Belgium, definitely in Europe, when it comes to marketing and communications and diversity. Um, there's a huge lack of it within the creative industry. And you can, you can see it, you can tell when you're looking at the way companies and governments are communicating today. Um, but, you know, in my hopes and dreams for 2024, it would be that we would actually be irrelevant even in that field so that I could be going on and doing new things and doing other things um, and bring my expertise to another level. Um, so what I would like to say is that what I'm doing right now is very dependent on how society evolves and grows. Um, and it's really hard to, to say like, okay, within five years, that's where I'm going to be. Uh, because it's really dependent on other trends in society. And I like to move forward with society. Okay, so we just asked you, you know, five years in the future. Now thinking of five, six years, a couple of years, thinking back in time, um, you know, you've had a lot of success, a lot of impact. But what advice might you give to yourself if you're starting out again? If I would be starting out again? Yeah, yeah, we got total time travel back and forth now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My advice would be don't believe anyone in what they say about entrepreneurship. Because to be honest, I've seen and read so many bullshit stories about being your own boss and it's gonna give you all the freedom you have and you're gonna be happy all the time, 24 seven. And you know, people have 
a way of romanticizing entrepreneurship. And even though it's a it's great to 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 do what I do and I love my work, I absolutely do. Um, I think that a lot of people are blind to the very hard work that's behind it, and they only see like the fun part and the good part and the many meetings and the travels yeah, and true. you know speaking all over the world. And it's all great, but you have to be very strong. You have to be very resilient, definitely when it comes to criticism. Uh, you have to be able to be very tough on yourself. Um, so if I would look back, the advice I would give myself is to, you know, to talk more to people that are real about what they're doing. Because I think definitely in, in the era of social media, a lot of people have a tendency to, of course, they're only going to show the positive side. That's what social media is for. Uh, but I think I would have had more conversations with people who are already doing a lot of things, who are already active, who are already entrepreneurs to learn from, to learn from them. Yeah. Hanan, I mentioned in my uh, keynote, you know, like as a quote, you know, be a student of the world, not only a student of the classroom. So, you know, as you know, you, you got an amazing you know, uh, degree at the school and you learn a lot of things, but how much have you had to learn outside of the classroom, outside of the school? You know, like you just said, talking with people or learning your own skills, like how much have you had to learn kind of outside that has really impacted your day to day and your vision and everything that you've been able to accomplish so far? I think I've learned like 95% of what I know outside of the classroom. Um, I, I really enjoyed my education and I, of course, I learned a lot about, you know, my specific expertise, which is communications. Uh, but most things you learn in the field, you learn by talking to people who are working for companies, you learn, you know, you learn about people, what they're struggling with and how you can, uh, how you can help them. So those are all things that you don't learn in the classroom. You learn by doing it. You learn by practicing. Um, and I think, and I think those lessons are actually even more valuable, uh, than what you learn at school. That's so true. I, I, one thing that just really, uh, impresses me is, you know, I, some, I think we're, we're going to see a time here soon where whether it be large, mid-sized, small companies are almost going to like have their own university kind of ecosystem that you'll be able to go to, uh, muslim.com university where you can take somebody straight from high school, give them the ecosystem of learning, give them specific skills. Cause like I, I, I yeah, I, I would want kids to, I'd want kids to learn from you. you know, <laughs> like uh, listening to your mindset for exactly 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, wow. Holy cow. She gets it. So I, it's funny. Like cause you're saying like, I've learned so much outside of academia. Well, you should be academia. True. <laughs> I just, I, I think, I think we're, I think we're going to start going to that. And, and not that I want everybody to go to like Google University. And I know some of the larger, larger corporations could, mm, that could be both good and bad. Uh, but just like right now, so many people are learning with you, and so a lot of ways right now you are a professor. Uh, in many ways right now you are an educator, and and we value that so much. Um, I cannot thank you. Well, I got to thank Jeremy. I can't thank Jeremy enough to go out to a, such a great event, meet with people and then say, Oh, you got to do our podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Leash. Thank you. But, um, it, it just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm stuttering. I'm so excited about how great this, this conversation was because oh, that's so kind of you. Thank, no, just your mindset yeah. of, starting off with understanding, mm. starting off with happiness. Talking to people. Yeah. yeah. The, your calm, yes. your mindset is, 
replicatable and that's what gives me so much gosh yeah i'm i'm stuttering stuttering all over myself because i'm so excited uh no seriously hannah again um like let's let's we should have done this beginning of the episode but let's let's go back uh like tell everybody all the sites all the yep. places to find you. Connect with you yeah and and hopefully you'll get people going oh my gosh how can i learn more well, how they how they can find me? Well, obviously, you should really check out muslim.com, muslim with a V. Uh, instead of a U, you can always check out the website of our creative agency, Aliens, which is totally spelled wrong. It's A-L-L-Y-E-N-S.com. And of course, they can find me under my name, Hannah Shaluki, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Are you a LinkedIn person at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm a LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not very active on it, but I am. Oh. I am there <laughs> that's been our that's been our happy spot here recently but no i hope everybody uh connects with you um just beyond inspired by your work and, and your mindset and thank you uh, yeah uh, kudos in the in the future i can just tell you that we're probably gonna want to do a another interview with you because we can talk <laughs> anytime call me anytime Thank Very you good. so much for spending time with us and sharing your perspective, your story, your passion. We're, we're, we're really, really grateful for the conversation. Oh, thank you. It was, a, it was my pleasure to talk to you.